We are back with Terry and Phil for another Mid-South Review. How are, Well, shall I ask you how you're doing, Phil, even though we've spoke before and we've just done another episode? How are you doing in the 15-minute break that we've had? Uh, it, it's, I'm doing well. Nothing Good. much has changed here. Things <laughs> do tend to change rapidly, but yes. so far, status quo for the past Good. 15 minutes. Good stuff. How are you doing, Terry? I am hydrating because the, the Saints – play Tampa Bay tonight and Tom Brady. So I'm getting my hydration started uh, so we can uh, we can mature up to the adult beverages here real soon. So what you're supposed to do on days where you're recording a podcast well, you know, well in advance of its air date is you pretend that the event's already happened. So I can say, well, congratulations uh, on your victory over Tampa Bay. So, uh, yeah, but we won't, I'm not going to put the mockers on it because, do you know what, it, it, <laughs> I was watching, I've got to tell this very quick story. Again, we're dating ourselves. So last night, Fulham um, won the television uh, against West Ham away and they scored right near the end um, and we had a penalty. So I think uh, Dan certainly mentioned on the podcast, but in football, a video referee is a very new thing. So the Premier League's only had a video referee for two, for this is the second season. So we had a penalty shout near the end um, and it was given by the video referee and the Fulham player walked up to it tried to chip it in the goal, completely fluffed it in the last 99th minutes and nine minutes of injury time. And the keeper just basically caught it on the line and the referee blew his whistle. And I literally could not, I could not speak. And um, my wife had moved <laughs> rooms just before this had happened. And I said that you've got to stay, you've got to stay at superstition. We were doing well before you moved. And obviously she moved. Right. And that was it. We didn't, right. we didn't get the draw. So yeah, fantastic. So talking about, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, any superstition or put the mockers as we say in the uk on the on the saints result for tonight so fingers crossed by the time this is out and you're listening you're you know it's even a good good day for you so at the desk on this december 8th 1984 episode of mid-south wrestling are the a team of boyd pierce um and bill watts and boyd runs through the matches we have in store this week including the rock and roll express plus the Mid-South television ties on the line with Bill Dundee versus Buddy Landell. And the first dream match will be here with Butch Reed challenging Ernie Ladd for the North American title. Magnum TA will be facing Dr. Death Steve Williams. Brad Armstrong is here, plus Terry Taylor and Tim Horner versus DiBiase and Hercules. Boyd's, Boyd adds that they have new tag team champions, which they will fill us in about later on. And he encourages people to continue writing in with details of their dream match if we get another beer package. So do you think anyone legitimately wrote in and asked for Reed to challenge Lad for this title? What do you think, Phil? I suppose it's possible, but Reed being the new baby face, the, mm. as we mentioned before in previous podcasts, the heel that uh, people actually liked like terry mentioned in the previous podcast uh, we were glad to see him turn face and and so maybe they wrote in asking him to go against whoever had the north american heavyweight yes. championship i don't i don't you know so i mean it's possible again as we talked before don't know if, if they just booked whoever they wanted to book and just got people to write in for other reasons yeah what do you think terry but this uh, the one of the ones you'd have written in for at the time. Actually, there's a question. Did either of you ever write into this show? Do you remember for the, for, the, for this one or any other kind of um, competitions or anything that they ran that you can recall? I did not. But if I would have, I'd have probably wrote in for uh, Dusty Rhodes and a junkyard dog to wrestle uh, the Samoans. Okay, Just yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. I've, I didn't, that would be great. 
obviously I didn't write into Mid-South back in 84 because um, unfortunately we didn't have access to this clearly but I did I remember when I was 15 I was convinced that I was going to win a competition on one of our London radio stations to win tickets to a WWF pay-per-view that was happening in Birmingham which is about an hour and a half train ride and every night I tuned that radio station dialing in and obviously <laughs> I didn't win and worst the worst thing of all was that um on that Saturday evening, there, there was the WBF had had some weird negotiations with the two major satellite and cable TV providers in the UK, and one of them didn't air the pay per view. And of course, which can you guess which satellite provider I had? Did I have the one that was airing the pay per view, or the one that didn't <laughs> air, air the pay per view? Of course, so I had you the did. one yeah. that didn't air the pay per view. So I had no way of watching that. And that's the famous. I don't know if you heard this. That's the famous night when. Um, it was British Bulldog versus Shawn Michaels for the European title in the main event and the Bulldog was supposed to be winning and he'd, he'd I don't know what happened to his sister I think it was his sister was, was I think she was terminally ill and he dedicated the match to her um, beforehand in an interview um, and then Michaels had changed Michaels refused to do the job and ended up winning so this big scat big huge like back this is before, a few months before the, the Montreal screw job and I think there was a near riot in Birmingham that night when uh, when the Bulldog didn't didn't win so yeah very famous event and also I think the semi-main was uh, Bret Hart and Undertaker and a pretty pretty good classic as well there but yeah alas I didn't see that for years after that um, so we cut to a clip from a match from the December 3rd live event with Jim Ross on commentary. Um, and it's, it's the Rock and Roll Express versus um, DiBiossi and Hercules in downtown New Orleans. Um, so we get the hot tag with Robert Gibson coming in and the Rock and Roll Express on top before Landell handed DiBiossi something to load his right hand. He smashed Gibson with it and got the pinfall just as Morton tried to break it up. Gibson then protect, sorry, Morton protested in the ring. But we, had, we see the new tag team champions leaving. What said that prior to the bout, officials had discovered a mysterious metallic object about the person of DiBiossi. Um, so there's a lot to digest there. But before we get to the promo with Akbar, Hercules and DiBiossi, for starters, as Phil mentioned last week, the Midnight Express had gone and they would never appear on, again in Mid-South in, in, uh, on television. So they'd be back in live events, but never on TV. Um, they worked world-class during the first half of 85 before moving across the mid-Atlantic in July of that year. Um, so this really feels like a fast-changing time in this promotion, as we talked about last week as well, with yet another sort of mainstay in, in terms of the Midnight Express and, and Jim Cornette gone and more on their way shortly. Um, so what did you think of this title change here, Phil, and, and how it's presented and, and memories of the Midnights in, in Mid-South? Uh, as I was rewatching this, some of the memories are seeing those non-TV studio matches, seeing the matches in the big arenas uh, that just had that uh, ring-level camera. Hmm. Uh, it added an element of excitement for it. It really made you want to get your tickets to go because you realize yeah. that uh, no matter what they put on TV, the best stuff is really happening at the arenas. Uh, you know, most of the uh, matches would have longer uh time limits and things so you know you'd think more things could possibly happen um but yeah as always we hated to see uh a rock and roll express get cheated once again yeah um uh had just master at getting heat you know so uh we knew we'd see the rock and roll express again soon and sure enough they're up here pretty quick on on the television so. yes yeah absolutely so what are your memories of um obviously the midnights in, the, in this in this period also what do you think of the way this uh this tag team title change i always think it's weird that the commentators will say that and this has happened a few times will say we've got new tag team champions and we'll tell you more about that and they cut to the 
footage and it's already been spoiled. I find that a bit <laughs> of an odd, odd way of telling the story. But what did you think of that and this, you know, overall and the, and the midnights in Mid-South? Yeah, I always thought that was cool, uh, particularly uh, that's where I would go to my live shows, you mm. know, the uh, Mid- Mid-South uh, Municipal Auditorium in New Orleans. And so um, I always thought it was cool when they showed footage from there. Now, watching it back, I, I can't I think I've told you guys before, my memory is so bad. Hmm. I, I may have even been there that night. And so, right, okay, yeah. so sure. w- w- sure. whenever I go back and watch, I'm always watching ringside. Once in a while, I'll notice a buddy of mine and, and he stands out more than I do because he always would have a blue Dodger jacket on and he was okay. about six, five. Yeah. And so he was much more noticeable than me. Uh, so, so that's, uh, that's always a fun treat. I, I go and look and see if I can find us there to see if we were there. Um, uh, but but it was always fun to watch the house show uh, highlights and and even today, my favorite thing to rewatch is house show matches. Yes, uh, yeah. I'll, I, I'll search the WWE um, network when they have the hidden gems. Yeah, and and I, and I'm always hoping that they'll show some new house show match that I didn't see because uh, as Phil said, it's just something about watching that, that match. With the with the one light, uh, it's not it's not TV lighting. It's just almost like you're you're reliving being back in the arena. Yeah, it's the atmosphere. Yeah. You can feel the atmosphere. That smoky, yes. dark. Yes, yes. Only big like one big spotlight on the ring. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's a lot of that, a lot of that stuff on the on the network, particularly. Obviously, probably watch more of the WWF stuff, but some of the uh, Madison Square Garden network or MSG network stuff, and also I think it's is it NESN, the Philadelphia one from the Spectrum. Um, so you get some house shows from the '80s and the '90s there, and it's like it's almost a bit like you're seeing something you shouldn't, you sh- you're not supposed to be seeing, if that makes sense. Like a, you're, 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 you're looking behind the curtain at an event that was either broadcast for, you know, a very small number of subscribers for a particular channel or for the ones that was like on a steady cam or something. I remember I watched a flare and steamboat match from a, I think someone must have, I've, I think the recording was for the luxury boxes. They had a camera on the ring so that you could see it on the television in your box. And this is probably, um, this was not the 89 runs. So this would have been probably 85, 86, I think, probably before Steamboat went to the WWF. And it, on the recording, you could hear people ordering stuff from the luxury <laughs> box. And also, at some point, they flick some, they flick the, um, the frequency over so you can hear a commentary of a baseball game. So I guess in the box at the time, they, they flicked something over. So they were listening to, it might have even been the LA Dodgers actually. And they're listening to that. That's all I'm thinking. You think like, oh, this is this magical thing. You're not, you're not kind of yeah. supposed to see. And things like obviously YouTube, and the network make that a lot, um, a lot easier to see now, which is good. Um, so back to the promo uh, with Akbar and the new Tatum champions. Akbar says they're, they're sorry, Phil, go ahead. Well, um, on that, what, just watching that match there, where Rock and Roll Express get robbed, and you listed Jim Ross do the play-by-play. Mm. I would think that'd be much more difficult to do play-by-play on something that's already pre-recorded. You don't even notice that Jim Ross is not in that arena calling yep. that match live as it happened. That's voiceover. Yeah, and that's yeah. just really good. That's really good to his to his credit. Yeah, anyway, yeah. go ahead. No, go I agree. And no, he he was particularly. I thought. Oh, I was going to say last night. We're even further away because this is a week later now. But he was Jim Ross was particularly good on the AEW show. I know he's got some critics sometimes, but I think that 
people people are too hard on him now because he you know he's um he's not gonna no quite he's not gonna get everything right but the amount of stuff that he brings <coughs> to a, a show i think outweighs you know any any time you forget someone's name i think he, he his is quite endearing always when when he does something like that so yeah big, big just on a side note us. on our local uh, on our local sports channels since he's here in Oklahoma and lives just right down the road from us, he'll often call into our local radio station and do interviews about twice a month. We'll get him oh, for about a half right. an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seems like such a character. I, I, have you read his books, Jim Moss's two, two, two books at all? I've sure been meaning to. I haven't got either one of them yet, but... Um, I would highly recommend I'm it. I mean, sure the, will. the second one is probably more, um, obviously more WWE, WWF focus, but the, the thing that's... that. It was, it's actually quite upsetting, actually, reading it because he is so. He just seems like this guy that just bloody loves wrestling. He just loves mm-hmm. wrestling, and he just wants to do good. And he and back in his talent relations role, he just loves commentating, loves you know bringing talent on, and um, a bit like a coach of a sports team, really, like getting these guys together. And Vince McMahon would just treat him so badly with all the things that he would do to him. He's just like, just leave this poor guy alone. Like you're just a horrible, horrible bully. And that that really comes out in his his second book is is it's a great read, but it, there are some moments in it that are quite, um, you know, diff, very difficult, but yeah, his first one is all, all, all the mid South stuff and, he, and his early run is in there. I heard him in an interview say that back in the early seventies, kayfabe was, was so strong that when he broke in as a referee, roughly mm-hmm. matches, he wasn't completely smartened up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. They would tell him, some of what he needed to know about the finish, but they remember him them asking him, "Well, are you smart?" And he goes, "Well, yeah, I'm not." <laughs> he didn't. He didn't even understand the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> There's some incredible stories. I wish I could remember them to, enough to tell them properly. But um, the, the, I highly, highly recommend the first one because that is a lot about that that era. And I think it probably finishes just after he moves moves to WWF in what ninety three. But yeah, definitely, definitely a good one to read. Um, so back to the promo. Akbar says they're there to take over Mid South, and they have completed Phase One with the tag team title win. Um, Akbar says something for Butchery to think about. He owes him for the ten thousand dollar Rolex, and he's ordered Landell to pay him back in dividends. And if he can't do that, he'll find someone that can. Um, and I thought DiBiase was so good in this next bit, saying that they have the leverage as Mid South tag team champions. And he told the people when he came back that he was going to the top. And he was going to take it all. A scandal finishes that people are either with them or against them. Um, Terry, first, what did you think of this promo here from Akbar and uh, and DiBiase thereafter? Well, it's it, it's awesome. Uh, you know, I love Scandar Akbar, uh, mm. but but something. I'm a 53 year old heterosexual, happily happily married man, but I don't think there's anything cooler then DiBiase in his shades with the yeah. Band-Aid on his head, in his suit yeah. with the belt over his shoulder. That is just the friggin' epitome of cool. Big you know, and, and I, you know, I just, uh, I'm a mark for that. Did you guys want to cheer? Did you guys feel at the time that you, again, like we talked about last week, did you guys, oh, I just wish DiBiase would be a baby face again. Like, did you feel that or... I, I, me personally, I don't know if I did because he was such a good friggin' heel. Yeah, okay. You, you, you know, you really couldn't think like that. But then when they turned, you were happy as heck. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But at the time, they were so good at being heels. I don't know that we thought that. Did you feel? I don't. I, 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 I can't remember. Um, And to your point about him standing there looking that cool, I have to agree with you because he pulls it off 
as every bit as good as Ric Flair. And yes. Ric Flair's my favorite. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's that. I mean, that's he's not copying him, but he's pulling it off every bit as good as Ric Flair, where others tried and couldn't do it. Yeah. I yeah, and I wonder actually. And he's so good on the mic. Yeah. He's just incredible, and, and you're, you're absolutely right, um, Terry. He is just cool, and I'd imagine that he's getting a lot of heel fans at some of the arenas supporting him, aren't they? Cut, cut, like the guys yes. who are a little bit older and stuff definitely will be cheering for. How could you not cut, cheer cut, for this guy? Like, right, right, kind of like the Four Horsemen. Yeah, you know, big they, time. They, they were heels, but they were so cool yeah. that, that that people had to cheer for them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So Jim Ross is our ring announcer and he introduces Terry Ellis and Randy Barber who will be facing the Rock and Roll Express. Watson commentary talks about the scaffold match that they'd had and they'd actually had that 15 times with the Midnight Express and how Cornette's mother ended up paying a lot of money. Um, this was really short. A double drop kick out of nowhere in just over a minute uh, and this is one for the Rock and Roll Express. Um, any thoughts on this uh, this short match and also the I guess the writing off of the Midnight Express and how they, how they frame this on commentary? I've 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 got our, our wardrobe malfunction out of this match. I noticed something in this match, like Terry noticed in the, in the previous. Y'all okay. heard the previous podcast. Go back and listen. Yeah, so thirty-five, this, thirty-five in episode two seven three. You must watch it now. Right. What's what's Terry sniff this shirt? Okay. So in this match on the on the YouTube version at at nine oh seven. Ricky and Robert dropped to their knees to give elbows to the stomach and, and karate thrust to the face. Something happens to Robert's pants here. He, he, for the next 30 seconds, every time you see them, he's fiddling with his britches. Either something came out to either a tie came broken, something's going on. So it starts at nine Oh seven, but just after that point, watch Robert Gibson cannot leave the top of his pants alone. Something has happened and it, he's off screen for a bit, but every time he comes back in the screen, he keeps messing. And even after the match is over, and they announce them as the winners. He quickly gets out of the ring. So, he, what, what time? The, what time stamp? Sorry, was it Phil? Nine oh seven is when I think it occurs. Okay, and then uh, for the next uh, thirty seconds, you'll see him. And certainly right after the pin, and he's getting his hand raised. Um, <laughs> he, he cannot I just, stop. I just watched. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, so he's pulling know. it. Yeah, he's pulling it up here in the corner. Watch so it all I, the way to the end of the show, to the to the end of the match where he bells out of the ring. He he had some type of war, war, wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's it's just not it's just not very comfortable there, is he? I don't know what I don't know what he, I don't know what he's in. I, would, I I hope it wasn't the foul smell that was on uh, Terry Taylor's right, uh, T-shirt right. last week because that um, yeah perhaps from the from the same source. But yeah, what did you think of this? Uh, other than the other than the it wasn't much this was it? I, I was disappointed when the rock and rollers aren't aren't out there for longer than this. Yeah, I don't know if they were trying to just show that there's so much dynamite in it that nobody can last more than 90 seconds with them. Yeah, if not yeah. What did you think? Super what did you think? I, I, I always feel, again, because I know that where this is going and we're not going to have the, we're going to have the Rock and Roll Express for some time to come and not, not, you know, not a huge amount of time. Um, I always feel a bit cheated. I just want to see as much of them as possible. What did you think of this, uh, this short match, Terry? I, I, I agree with Phil. I, I, you know, it's, it's almost like sometimes you kind of got to have that quick match to show the dominance. Mm. You know, it, it's easy for Dr. Death and Hercules Hernandez to show their dominance because they're so big, you, you know, uh, but for the Rock and Roll Express teams like that, 
you know, they're, they're, they're normal sized guys for the most part. Mm. And so, so I, I think sometimes a quick match doesn't hurt. Yeah, indeed. So next up, we had superstar Bill Dundee, the Mid-South television champion versus Buddy Landale for what Boyd Pierce called the beautiful gold medallion. Watts described Dundee as the little Aussie who has a heart the size of a country hill, um, which is an expression I've not heard before. Um, Dundee Me out, either. Yeah. I mean, a country hill doesn't necessarily have to be all that big, does it? It could be a small hill, but there we go. Um, I, I suppose that's bigger than a human heart, though, whatever hill it is. Um, Dundee was out in a blue Elvis Presley-style jumpsuit, which he removed to reveal traditional Australian sporting colours, uh, of green and gold that have caused me so much pain uh, as a child watching England lose to Australia, uh, mainly at cricket, really. Um, I, I was about to say rugby there, but I just couldn't care less about rugby, not my genre at all. Um, what said on commentary, he wouldn't... He uh, What have I said here? What said on commentary... Oh, yeah, he what said on commentary, he wanted to thank those that turned up at Fan Appreciation Night in Oklahoma recently. They were only set up for 2,500 fans, but over 12,000 turned up, and he was sorry for that. Yeah. Do you have any remember the, memories of this, Phil? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It was it was nothing more. I was there. Uh, it was nothing more than a, a place to get autographs and, okay, and yeah. just a few bucks. Um, it was kind of there was going to be a show there in town at the Myriad, hmm. and it wasn't frequent. They started doing this more in the future, not to make very many of them, but they would just have tables set up. You'd line up and just probably like they still do to this to this day. Hmm. Um, you know, this is in the day before a lot of vendors or like things like food trucks or anything like that, but it was way crowded. It was, yeah. it was a, it was a hot mess. Yeah. Did you get to, did you get to meet anyone or did you have to go? Um, I didn't get to stand in line that long at that no. time. Yeah. Um, uh, me and some of my friends showed up and, and, um, but we could see them in person and, and, and they had some type of, um, Mike, uh, like, just a microphone and a speaker, you know, okay. for the eighties. And, and yeah. so they just did a little talking and it was just a, it was promoting a show coming up. So we, we talked a little bit about, um, Croydon, the place of my birth last week, uh, which is again, not the most salute. And I can say this cause I'm from Croydon. So you, if you can't, if you can't make disparaging comments about your own hometown, who can? Um, but I went to, in the run up to SummerSlam 92 at Wembley, um, the WWF had a lot of promotional signing appearances for the British Bulldog and, um, and a mistake they made was doing one, at Woolworths in in Croydon, and Woolworths was uh, unfortunately um, no a business that's no longer around. But it was a uh, kind of a does everything. It was sell video, you know sell records and cassettes and you know ironing boards and you name it. It would sell a bit of everything there. And they had um, the British Bulldog there. I, th- I guess it must have been school summer holidays, and it was so overcrowded. And like within forty five minutes, things had been taken off the shelves and shoplifting was going on and there was scuffles everywhere right. and it just wasn't. And I think I was there with my dad and one friend and we left and we didn't get, I did manage to, to pat uh, David Boy Smith on the shoulder as he walked past, but I did not get anywhere near, anywhere near um, getting an autograph. And I should just add, I did not shoplift anything that day as well. So, or, or, ever, or ever, it wasn't just that one occasion I decided not to. So just to say that there was shoplifting going on, but there was carnage and whatever, Woolworths would have done no business that day because anyone that would have turned up to buy anything would have looked at it and walked straight back out again. And in terms of what they lost, I mean, crikey, what a terrible decision. But yeah, oh, that's a long time. That's 28 years ago now, crikey. That is a long, long time ago. So um, back in ring, the two clashed heads at 2.30. Dundee headed to the outside and Landell brutally slammed his head against the ringside guard, which uh, busted him wide open. Watt said this is a new Landell who's gained a lot of knowledge from his association with Skando Akbar. 
Landell then dropped an elbow, which what's called bionic, and then won the title in 347 in quite the shocker. And Terry, first, what did you think of this match in the title change here? Well, it had a couple interesting things. First off, at the beginning, Dundee in his silly little Elvis Presley jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, it was awful, wasn't it? He, 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 he does his little, his little booty shake. Mm, yeah. That little thing was odd. The pitiful little TV title medal that doesn't even have a dang a ribbon where you can hang <laughs> it around your neck. That was pitiful. Then Dundee has to have the referee help him pull the damn thing off because he, he can't get his uh, jumpsuit off. So all of that is, is just pretty funny to me. But then at, at the end, it's kind of cool. We get, a, we get a little blood yep. uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, Landau gets the pinfall. So I thought that was cool because, you know, Dundee is great in Memphis. It's like he he's right. perfect in Memphis. Right. He's he he's a hero in Memphis. In the Mid South, he just he's a mid card guy at best. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mentioned a previous podcast when Bill came. I had no idea that Dundee was the Booker. By the way, Bill Watt said he paid him three thousand dollars a week in nineteen eighty four to come be the Booker. You know, which is just wow. mad money. Yeah. Um, why he's even wrestling, I don't know. But yeah, that Elvis Presley lookalike gimmick he did for so many years in Memphis, and I just was a huge Elvis fan. And from this little short guy doing it, I just didn't get it. Uh, trivia question: Do you know who Bill Dundee's son-in-law is? Bill Dundee's daughter married. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Bobby. Actually. Bobby Eaton. Oh, how interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah Bobby Eaton. Yeah. yeah. So yep, what, I actually knew that. Yep. What age? So sorry, uh, Bill Dundee's daughter married Bobby Eaton. Yes. Yeah. What's the? Well, I was just just wondering what the age difference was between Bobby Eaton and Bill Dundee. I suppose probably I'm going to look that up actually. While uh, I, I guess it's probably at least ten years between them. So I, I guess. Uh, I would think. Uh, uh, see how old would Bill Dundee be? Forty-three. So uh, we've got fifteen fifteen years between them. Okay. And so his daughter, yeah. So, and I don't know at what age the, the children married, you know, but there could have been a big difference between them too. Oh, yeah. I, ju- I just wondered when you went, because I was thinking, obviously, Bill Dundee's a bit older than Bobby Eaton here, but I, you know, when, whatever it is, what it is, if it was a yeah, 25 year difference or whatever, good, good luck to, good luck to, good, good luck to the good luck to them all. But um, yeah, I just wondered if Bobby and Bill Dundee were sort of similar sort of age. I wonder when, how that sort of went down during that first, you know, I'm dating your daughter right. uh, conversation. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but right. yeah, so it, it's interesting that the, the title change, obviously I really like Landell's work here, but clearly Dundee was a transitional champion to get the, get the belt off Adrian street. Do they change this to, I presume at some point they change this to an actual physical, I said belt, but it's not a belt, obviously a medallion. Do they change it to a championship belt at some point? I don't think they ever do. Oh, really? No, no, no. Well, because the LA Olympics is a bit in the, you know, it's in the, it's in the background now, isn't it? So I wondered if they changed. Right. There we go. Um, back from break, in ring, Jim Ross says that next up is the first dream match for the North American Championship. In ring introduced first, the challenger Butch Reed, who got a decent, I, I thought there was only a decent reaction from the crowd, but not amazing. Then I guess I wonder if they'd, you know, if they'd seen him already on this, um, during this set of tapings. And obviously that always impacts the second reaction. 
That's a good that's oh, a good certainly. question. Yeah, it's a good question. I'd like to, you know, talk to maybe some folks that, you know, attended some of these TV tapings, which I never had the chance to do, and, and see what it was really like. And if that did, you know, it very could. Maybe by the end of the third or fourth show, you're getting worn out. Yeah, and um, you've seen this guy. Uh, that always used to impress me with, with Steve Austin in the late late nineties, because generally speaking, he would probably be in the first segment and the last segment quite a lot, and he would still get a pretty f- formidable pop second out, which I think is you know if you're if you're cheering that much for someone you've already seen, then obviously they're doing they're doing something right. Um, Ernie Ladd was in there uh, with the beautiful looking North American title around his waist. Um, well, here's a question. Um, you, you go first, Terry, and feel you thereafter. What's your favorite championship belt ever in wrestling? Well, oh. the, the, the North American title, uh, mm. obviously. And, and uh, I liked, and again, I guess I, it's just because you really tend to like the things you see first. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like the, old, uh, the older North American title. It had that odd shape. You know, it, it was the one that, uh, you know, was before this one. But but obviously, if you look at them now and compare them, this one right here is just way prettier. Yeah. You know, it's it's bigger. It's it's it's, uh, it's more massive, attractive yeah. looking. Yeah, it's massive. Uh, so so I, I love the North American titles. Now, I've got an N- NWA uh, the, the old Ric Flair, uh, you know, mid 80s NWA title. I've got a replica here. But if I if I were able to buy another one, it would buy it would be this one that they have in the ring with them right now. It's yeah. it's, it's pretty sweet. What do you think, Phil? My all time favorite would be the the NWA belt um, that have saw race and flair and, and all them hold so many yeah. times and Dusty Rhodes for so many years. The North American heavyweight probably be if I had a second choice. That massive impressive belt would be yeah. it. Uh, there's other belts I've seen over the years that were just weren't impressive at all. Um, uh, some look good, some didn't. The, uh, uh, there's one uh, belt, American Heavyweight Championship belt, that had a, um, uh, you know, it was the leather strap, but the metal part was a cool outline of the United States. So there's some cool belts, and there's some that aren't cool, but my favorite would be the NWA belt. When you when that changed to, uh, from sort of, was it 12 pounds of gold that one was the... Was that what was it? What was the, the nickname? Not twelve pounds. What was what was the nickname of the old NWA? I've just gone blank in my mind because obviously they changed it to big the big gold belt. But what was the, what was the the NWA belt that I suppose it's well, got the, it's the one that Nick Aldis and stuff uses still, isn't it? Right here, this one here. Oh, sorry, sir. I've just taken. I've just I've twice the one. Yeah, twenty. Is it twenty pounds of gold? Twenty pounds of gold is what they often say. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Cool. I don't know yeah, why I got yeah, I 12, so. 12 pounds of gold from clearly the um, clearly the thing's been on a diet. Perhaps it's been like me, probably eating too much during lockdown. But yeah, well, how did you feel, Phil, when when they switched the switched the NWA title from that physical belt to the to the bigger one? Did, was to that was that annoyance or or did you? Because that annoys oh, me. Yeah. I, I get annoyed about yeah. that. I like the belts from my youth, and I don't understand why they ever change them. Really, I think as with any with any sport, when you're winning a championship, the history of that championship is important. Yes. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. It means something. Now, certainly, the, a change of belt, you're still winning the same title, but you know, there's something to be said for uh, not just nostalgia, but history. Yes, um, and and so yeah, I didn't I didn't care for it when they changed the belt. No, and I, I was the same with the so my like like you guys have said. I think you 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 obviously drawn to what you saw first, and the, and the winged eagle WWF title belt, the one from 
pretty much from WrestleMania 4 until Austin beat Shawn Michaels in 98 was the one that I, I really, really liked. And that's, that's, it's not the biggest belt. It's kind of a, kind of a compact, medium-sized belt. I really like that. Um, but yeah, I don't ever understand why. I, I think that, so if you've got a champion now in 2020 and you've got a photo of them holding that, you know, it doesn't have to be the same physical belt, the same design. Surely that means more if someone, maybe a Laps fan saw that and they were used to seeing Hogan with that belt or Savage or Warrior or... Uh, Michaels or Brett, then it would do just some random belt. The belt, the belt. Well, could you belts. imagine if they tried to change the Stanley Cup? Yeah, there or you the go. Super yeah. Belt Trophy. Yeah, exactly. That it would mean something if they tried to change those. Here in here in the states, the 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 college football championship has a different trophy every year, completely different. Drives oh, me crazy. Yeah, it's totally designed differently every year. But the Stanley Cup, you're not going to change it. No. It means no. Super Bowl that that um, uh, Vince Lombardi trophy it's going to be the same so yeah, yeah leave the, let's leave the belts the same yeah that the North American one is so some the AEW World Title now is really similar to this North it's it's kind of a hybrid between this North American title and the New Japan's IWGP Heavyweight Title it's really really good looking belt I do really like this North American title. Um, so Landell came down to ringside immediately in this one to whisper some tips, presumably in the ear of Lad. But Reed slammed their heads together. Um, Lad threw Reed into the ref at two minutes, and Landell tried to interfere, but Reed fought him off. Skandar Akbar then approached the ring along with Kamala, uh, making his return as the ref called for the bell as Lad and Landell held Reed down for the big splash from Kamala, which he hit three times as Watt said they were trying to end Reed's career. He speculated that Akbar had spent big dollars to bring back Kamala. Um, and Kamala briefly went after Landell in here just to show us sort of how, how out of control he was before Akbar stopped it. Um, the Rock and Roll Express and Brad Armstrong made the save after several other wrestlers had already tried and failed. And I was actually, this is again show, showing your uh, my emotional investment in this product now, 36 years on. I was actually a bit gutted that Reed didn't win the title here after what we talked about with Lad last <laughs> week. I was thinking, you know, is, this, is, this the, is Lad the transition between Magnum onto a heel, back off again? But obviously not quite yet, if that's where they're going. I don't know. Um, Phil, first, what did you make of this match and this uh, post-match re-debut of Kamala? I was with you. I thought I thought this they were putting the belt on on Reed. I didn't. That's not my thought at the time. I just thought for sure belt would or Reed would win the belt unless there's interference. And of course, leave it to the spoiler, Buddy Landell. We all hated him for a lot of reasons. You know, <laughs> right. back, back then, we just couldn't stand him. He didn't deserve to be in there. You know, and here he is messing everything up for us once again. But, you know, if you put these two guys in a, in a dark alley, if you put these two guys in a cage with no interference, we all know Reed's going to come out on top. Yep. Uh, Ernie Ladd is, 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 is over the hill here already. He can bear, I mean, he's got height on Reed, but there's no way uh, these two guys are, are going to get in a fight and Reed not come out on top. And then here comes Buddy Landell. Well, crap. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. What do you think, Terry? Yes, same thing. It's it's you know in hindsight you look back and 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 obviously, Lad was in the booking office and he was a a a he was somebody that that uh, Bill Watts could trust to hold the belt until the the right guy was 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 handed the belt. But 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 yeah, I agree with both of you guys. There's no way at, if if there's no interference if it's in a if it's in a cage, you know, butchery is absolutely going to win this match. Uh, so I, I guess it's cool because it, 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 it lends to that frustration. You know, yes. it's like, it's like obviously Reed is supposed to win this and it, the, the heel champion slips away with it again, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
I wonder whether the lad thing had anything to do with the fact that um, Watts could rely on him not to go, perhaps, uh, in, I, in terms I, of the start. So. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that because clearly there's 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 a lot of this is this is not only obviously the um, you know the World Wrestling Federation gearing up and going national. This this wouldn't be too far away before. Um, mid-atlantic takes that slot on tbs just in the spring actually because i think the last Mm -hmm. wwf tbs show was the saturday before wrestlemania so so march 30th 85 i believe um so we're not long away from mid-atlantic going national here as well and obviously that you know it's not just obviously you know history dictates that people look back negatively on the wf sort of killing the territories in inverted commas but obviously mid-atlantic was in there as well and you know it's all business practice it is what it is you've got to do what you've got to do to, to survive but there's a lot of, you know, wrestlers are in high demand from these territories in, in, in the coming months. Um, so back from the break, we have the Guerreros, this time with some accompanying Mexican music, as Watts calls it, going, going up <laughs> against Mike Jackson and Jimmy Powell. Watts said on commentary that Reed would not accept any, any help from anyone after the brutal beating he got from Kamala and Kony walked out on his own. Um, the finish in this one came in 2.47. Um, it's a really, really fantastic finish. Um, with Chava hitting his senton from the top rope while Powell was being held in a grounded full Nelson by Hector. Um, I thought the Guerreros looked really good here again, and I, and I wouldn't have minded this going a bit longer. Um, Terry, first, what did you think of this uh, this short match with the Guerreros and this great-looking finish? Well, so same thing. They, they, they're really good in the ring. I, I'm, as, we, as we talked about in the last episode, I'm, I'm really kind of getting myself uh, acquainted with the, with the Guerreros. I just don't, didn't remember much about them then, mm. uh, but, but they are, they're really skilled in the ring and they're a good tag team. What do you think of this one, Phil? Exactly. They're, they're fun to watch. They're good to watch. Um, they're, I believe they're also right at the same time, bouncing back and forth between WCW, WCCW, as is Kamala in the previous match. There wasn't a lot of talent exchange the past two weeks. We had several weeks there where there's a lot of talent exchange with world class. Uh, and then we went a couple of weeks without any. And then to have the Guerreros come in the past few weeks, uh, again, I think we're kind of determined that they're replacing the uh, Midnight Express. But they're fun to watch. They're yeah. good. As heels or, or faces, they're always uh, a fun team to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, their style is very babyface, isn't it? But obviously, the the, the direction they're being pushed is is, is heel at the moment. Um, back in back, sorry, back from break, we have Steve Williams who's up against Magnum TA. Um, Watts congratulations. I can get my teeth in. Watts congratulates the Sooners coach on commentary for winning the Big Eight, Barry Switcher. So tell me more about Barry Switcher, Phil. All right, Barry Switzer is still king of Oklahoma. He hadn't coached in Oklahoma since 1987. Okay. Uh, But he won three national championships. He won close to 30 conference titles. Uh, They had one trip up that year, that season. They just won the Big 8 Conference. But at that time, there was absolutely nothing like a playoff system in college football. All of the different conferences would play their games, and at the end – you would have the UP riders and the AP riders and the coaches vote on who they thought the best team in the country was. Okay. So it was just a voting system. And if there was one undefeated team and everybody else had a loss, then normally that team would be the national championship. Although they may have not played anybody any good at all. Right. And right, okay. uh, Oklahoma tripped up and had one loss that year. Um, uh, a slip up against a team they had no business losing to in the middle of the year. They went 11 and one that year, uh, won their conference, but didn't get voted. Um, 
the national championship. Podcast, it's Terry, tough loss when he mentioned boat, it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah. It's called, back then we called it the mythical national championship when we right, went for okay. decades. Terry had to go back and look because I remember my Sooners not winning that that year after having a couple undefeated seasons and going eleven and one. I had to go back and look to see who, and I see you looking there. Don't look. <laughs> see, oh, me? Who won the – yeah, no, I'm just teasing with Terry. In that that year, this would be uh, uh, 1984. Who won the national championship? You won't get oh, it. <laughs> oh, no, oh, I, I, have, I have absolutely no clue. I, 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 but I do have a funny uh, Barry Switzer story I'm going to share with you. Oh, okay. But I, I have no clue to answer that. Okay. 1984. BYU. You know, oh wow, Oklahoma's uh, Oklahoma Sooners is there one and only? Yeah. So, but uh, was that uh, Steve Young? Was that Steve Young? Is yes, that why? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Stephen, answer your question. He's he's mentioning Barry Sooner or, or Barry Switzer because he had been in the coach of the Sooners for you know fifteen years. There, he's coming to the end of his career. He he still does television commercials every week. Still does charitable functions. I still mm. see Barry Switzer every day on my television set. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, Terry, what's your uh, funny story there? So, so, so Barry, Barry Switzer had, had a, I guess, kind of a reputation of being a ladies man. Um, And so, so, so so I'm not going to say who told me this story uh, because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, (laughs) but, but, but supposedly the, the, the families around for Christmas dinner and, uh, and one of those commercials he mentions uh, pops up. This is in Oklahoma city these commercials pops up with, with Barry Sanders. I mean, Barry Switzer. And, and he has no relation to this family at all. But, but there's a single aunt here at Christmas, Christmas, uh, Christmas dinner who, uh, who has a young child. And, and, and the young child looks at the TV and says, uh, Mommy, look. There's Uncle Barry on TV, so 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 obviously Barry, Barry had made some some some, some, tr- some trips to the house. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> As the story goes, one of a million, wow. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, crikey, I don't know where to go from there, but that's uh, yeah. So perhaps, perhaps we'll go back in ring and we'll go up next. Jack Victory versus Brad Armstrong in in Armstrong's, I believe, Miss South Television debut. And what said that Armstrong had BA on his boots. And that can stand for something other than Brad Armstrong. It could be bad, you know what. And he also put over how the ladies cheer for Armstrong. Um, I've not seen a huge amount of Brad's work. I thought he looked really smooth and athletic, clearly in this match. Um, This next bit of commentary, I think this rivals the Terry Taylor smelling his shirt in terms of some of my favourite things in Mid-South. So Bill Watts said that he recently went to a card at Madison Square Garden um, because they've got this thing where they're trying to monopolize everything and coming into different areas. The thing that he was impressed about Madison Square Garden the most is that the fans, through most of the matches, would chant in unison, boring, 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 <laughs> three borings. And Watts was amazed as he watched the bouts. Many of them were terribly boring, and they just didn't live up to the standing standards that the fans ensure are set in Mid-South. What do you think of this, Phil? This is a this is a big attack on the World Wrestling Federation here. Probably really highly warranted, is. but yeah. yeah, crikey, this is this is strong stuff. Yeah, and it is strong stuff, but it's not not necessarily untrue. No, absolutely uh, not. Yeah, uh, to like we mentioned in the previous podcast, to put the four biggest stars in the territory in the ring at one time. 
you were not going to see that on the other other shows. No, definitely not. What did you think of this? Uh, what did you think of this, Terry? Same, same, same thing. I, I think you know uh, we didn't realize how how spoiled we were, um, you know, growing up until we started getting cable TV and you, we started seeing all of that. I mean, you turned it on WTBS. You had great interview segments, but you didn't see any of the the matches like we saw None. on, on mid South, you know, mid Atlantic. I mean, you got great stars. You got Roddy Piper, you got Greg Valentine, you got Ric Flair, you got Wahoo McDaniel, but the television matches were, were, weren't even close to ours. So, so yeah, there, there, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, you know, all the, all the territories had big stars, but, but, but we got to see the, the matches on, on our TV weekly. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I, I did this at the time in terms of a little audio uh, look at that Black Saturday, but that first WWF show that was on WTBS was awful, absolutely shockingly bad uh, in any in yes, any era, yes. in any light. And uh, why couldn't, in inverted commas, the genius Vince McMahon get make this work? He had an incredible TV deal there. They should have been on TBS forever. Mid-Atlantic should never have got an opportunity to get back on that station. And if that was studio wrestling or whatever they needed to do to put on that channel to make it work, they should have adapted. But they're not. They, they, they've, he's never been someone that can either take someone from a different promotion and make them work because he always wants to use his own creations. And clearly he, can't, he couldn't adapt. He couldn't adapt at the height of his powers in 84. And, and you, I just think that's it's a really interesting thing to look at in terms of you know this 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 promotion that was was on fire for, for in a lot of their business, but they just could not make this television deal work at all. And um, Armstrong ultimately won this this contest with a sleeper hold, and I thought this was a, a very impressive debut, and obviously only upstaged slightly by Bill Watts's incredible tirade. And um, what did you think of Armstrong in ring here, Terry? And do, do you remember much about him from around this uh, around this time? I, I do remember a lot about him. I, I remember him being. Uh, as good as as any of the Terry Taylors and the people like that in the ring, uh, I think he just w- wasn't very good on the mic. Yeah, uh, you know, and and it's interesting, you know, because I, I'm a I'm a huge f- fan of the Armstrongs. I, I've had the opportunity to meet uh, the late Bullet Bob and and uh, and and all of them. Brad was the only one I didn't have a chance to meet. Uh, and and the interesting thing is is when you hear people talk about him. He was really a character out of the ring. Yeah, I've heard he, this uh, as well. He had yeah. A, yeah, had a great personality and all, but but just never really transferred to his promos in, in wrestling. Yeah, uh, but 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 he was definitely a great hand uh, in in the ring for sure. What did you? What are your memories of uh, of Armstrong? What did you think of his debut? Phil, sorry. Um, I remember especially well at this time, he was also wrestling in Georgia, obviously mm. where his father had been. He was one of the very top stars in Georgia at this time. Um, this yesterday, as I tweeted out to at mid moments, a couple of pictures from, pulled out some more wrestling. Mag- I got saved 300 of my wrestling magazines yeah, from back in the day. So I, I opened up to the November issue of both inside wrestling and the wrestler. And I took pictures of, the rankings, the official rankings, they call it, right? If you look, uh, Armstrong's in both of these. Now, the one magazine that just lists who the champion is of each major promotion and the top 10 contenders. In the NWA, Ric Flair is the champion in November mm. of 84. Number one contender for his belt was Wahoo McDaniels. Mm. Okay. Number three 
contender was Harley Race. At this time, number ten two contender was uh, was Brad Armstrong. How interesting! Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. So he is above Harley Race, and according to the rankings in the, in yeah. the magazine, you know, the K Fab magazine, and then over in the other magazine where it breaks down every territory and, and the top ten in each territory, he was number two or three in Georgia. So he's at the top of his game right here. Yeah. I thought he was very impressive. He really reminded me in terms of his look of Kenny Omega, actually, in terms of like the curly hair mm. and the body type and like a, a built yeah. guy, but not the tallest. But yeah, I, I was impressed here. Um, back from break, we had the first sight of our new tag team champions in action with Ted DiBiase and Hercules Hernandez going up against Terry Taylor and Tim Horner. What says next week, Private Terry Daniels will be there debuting. They also trying to sign a North American title match. In two weeks, Iceman King Parsons will return. And um, What says that Taylor was so ill, he thought he would have to retire, but miraculously he started getting better. Um, as DiBiossi and Horner were in there earlier, I, was, I thought if I was a betting man, I would lay down some money that I thought Horner would end up taking the fall in this contest. Um, Akbar tripped Taylor at ringside as he ran, ran the ropes. Then him and Hercules both went down after a double clothesline. Watson commentary said they were going to stay with the action as long as they could. On the outside, Reed attacked Skandar Akbar. And in ring, Horner and Taylor knocked Hercules to the outside with a big double elbow. Um, back in ring, DiBiossi again went for it for his tights and KO'd Horner with a loaded glove for the win in 5-23. Um, DiBiossi and Hercules left the ring as Taylor and Reed stood together. Um, I thought this was another decent encounter um, as it feels like the match lengths are certainly starting to stretch out a bit. And um, what do you think of this one, Phil? Exciting match. Yeah, it was good. And we we talk about and and I thought about it as we ended the last program. And we say, well, what do you you'll say? What did we think about these matches? This episode overall. And we say yes. mostly, you know, some some weren't as good, and some are are are, are better than others. But that's looking at it through today's eyes with all the wrestling that we've seen over the decades yes. since then. Back then, this was fantastic. Yeah. This was phenomenal. You couldn't find this anywhere. We live for this. You know, so when we get to the day again to the end of the episode, when we say, How what'd you think of today's episode? Well, it was really good. Back then it was phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point because we're watching this show. Um, actually, so I've never seen this before, but with 2020, 2020 eyes. Most of the shows are good. Some of them are excellent. And I would say a very few of them are average. And there's sure. maybe, one, maybe one that I haven't liked very much. Not very sure. many more than that. But that, as you say, crikey, if you're watching episodes, if, you, if you're comparing this with episodic television, then actually even now it's a good example as well in terms of the overly done, the overly long tele, you know, uh, TV shows that we get. This is this is really good stuff, and it, it, it certainly does um, stand the kind of test of time. And um, what did you think, mm -hmm. um, Terry, of this uh, of this uh, sort of long, fairly long match between um, Horner and Taylor and DiBiase and Hercules, the new tag team champions? Same thing. You guys are exactly right. Uh, the the, on, the only thing I, I, I would say uh, would would disagree a little bit with, you know, when I, I think one of the guys says this will be a main event anywhere in the country. Well, no, it wouldn't be because Tim Horner wouldn't be in the main event anywhere yeah. in the country. But but you substitute <laughs> yeah. you substitute well, somebody lack of show else. Muscles. Right, right. You substitute somebody else, it, it would be. But however, the, the match, the match is really, really good. Yeah. And and to, to add on to what, what Phil said about how great this is, just imagine now that on almost every commercial break, you insert promos 
from right. Ted DiBiase, yeah. from right. Magnum TA, from Jim Cornette, from Skandar Akbar, from Ernie Ladd. You introduced those promos, which in some cases is as good as the matches. Yeah. Now, right. now you've got great television. Yeah, agree. Right. Agree completely. Yeah, so we're looking through this through eyes. Like I said, back then, Hulk Hogan hadn't had his biggest run yet. Some of the most famous wrestling scenes have not happened yet. You had not seen, you know, uh, mankind take a dive off the top of the cell. You no, know, all these great uh, things in wrestling hadn't happened yet. So this was this was groundbreaking stuff. This was edgy um, and just best thing going. Yeah, completely agree. So that is another episode of Miss South in the books. We've said goodbye to the Midnight Express. We have new tag team champions and welcome Brad Armstrong and Kamala. Um, so guys, uh, Terry first and, and then Phil, any final thoughts on this uh, this December 8th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? Oh, you guys said it all, man. You did good. Yeah, and, and same, same here. And it, 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 it's really fun to, to look at it in in this perspective now yeah uh you, you know because because i you, we've got phil here who who lived it but lived it in a different part of the territory yes mm -hmm. you know yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, i'm getting to rewatch it now and then with you steven having having some fresh eyes kind of yeah. following it it's uh it, it's really 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 cool and, and i hope i hope the listeners to the podcast uh i hope many of them can can kind of do it like you are and watch it, you know, episodically and enjoy it. And like I just said, I, I just wish we had more of the uh, the promos like we did on this episode with the with DiBiase and, and Hernandez and, and Agbar. I wish we had more of those that the, the shows added uh, because because those things were gold. Yeah, I, com I completely, I completely agree. Now, another, another really, really good show. I think this week, I'm, I'm going to go off on one final tangent, actually, Phil. While I think about it, because otherwise, I'm going to forget. I know you're a big chess, chess fan, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, a, I've just been watching this weekend an excellent um, drama on Netflix, which centres around the world of chess. Oh yeah. It's fictional, uh -huh. um, but it's extremely good, and I like it so much. I've actually just bought myself a chessboard. So, oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah, great. It's called The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I highly, highly recommend it. We're probably going to finish it tonight. So, yeah, I definitely would give it a give it a whirl. Very interesting story. It's fictional, unfortunately. I think it'd be more interesting if it was a true story. But there's lots of chess talk about it and strategy and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah I, would, I would definitely I'd, recommend I'd, it. Before before uh, lockdowns, I, you know, I've spent decades playing in live tournaments over the board. Um, um, you know, where do you show? I'm United States Chess Federation member rated. You get a ranking. Oh, fantastic! Uh, they talk about uh, all that stuff. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. So it's yeah, it's also set in the set in the late fifties and early sixties. But it's a really interesting story with that as kind of the. I don't know where it's quite going to end up yet, but it's it's very very good. So I highly recommend it, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me again. Um, I look forward to. Um, spending some time with you in the, in the not too distant future. I will obviously tweet out your Twitter handles where if you've got any questions about Mid-South Wrestling, don't ask me because I probably won't know. Direct it to these guys. <laughs> so, But thank you very much, gents, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Thanks, your appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Great. I appreciate it. It's a blast. Who that? Watch the Saints tonight. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or the Saints won. The Saints yeah, exactly. Won. It's an incredible victory. Yeah, incredible victory. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> 
Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out. All the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Mid-South Moments.